Chapter 10 begins with the anointing of Shaul by Shmuel. Vayikach Shmuel at Pach Hashemen, Vayitzok Arosho, Vayishakeu, Vayomar Loki Mishachacha Hashem Anachato Lenagid. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, and said, The Lord anoints you ruler over God's people. Previous chapter, of course, we have the meeting. Shaul meets Shmuel. Shaul doesn't know that he's being sent to meet Shmuel. He thinks he's going to find the missing animals of his father. And Shmuel had been told earlier, we were informed in the middle of the previous chapter, God had, the day before Saul came, uh, God had revealed the following to Samuel. I will send to you somebody tomorrow from the land of Benjamin. So Samuel was informed. Tomorrow I will send by someone from the land of Benjamin. You will anoint him with Nagid. He will save my people from the Philistines. I have seen my people. Their cries have come to me. So there are several interesting features of that verse, which is verse number 16 of the previous chapter. First of all, it's striking that God doesn't use the word melech. God seems to be avoiding the word melech. Melech is perhaps a sore spot with Samuel. Nagid, Yoshia, but not melech. Secondly, and this is an important question, it sounds like the fact that Saul is from Benjamin is significant in terms of his being chosen. That's the second point. We'll get to that uh, in the future. And number three, the expression, that expression, namely, that the, the role of this person, this Nagid, we would say this king, is to save my people from the Philistines. So the Philistines seems to be the point of it. The Plishtim are the great enemy in the book of Shmuel. But the expression, is an expression that has a parallel, once again, in God's speech to Moshe at the burning bush. is found there as well in chapter 3. So once again we have references to Moshe and the story of the snap. So Shmuel's role, as God describes it, Umishachto Linagid Arami Israel. This verse alone, verse number sixteen, it sounds like you're gonna meet him. You introduce yourself to him, I'll arrange the meeting, and you will simply anoint him as the future king of Israel. That's what it seems to say. But when he, they actually meet Shmuel invites Shaul to a party. Um, we were told earlier that uh, Shmuel has come to town and to bring a sac- have a sacrificial meal by invitation only. But Shmuel says to Shaul at the end of chapter 9 beginning in verse uh, 18. In 18 Saul says to Samuel do you know where the Roah is, the seer? I'm the Roa, says Shmuel, Anochi come with me to the Bama, eat with me, I'll send you in the morning, 
I'll tell you everything you want to know. Don't worry about the missing animals. They've been found. In any event, So, he's saying an awful lot to someone whom God has simply said, anoint him as king. In verse 20 of the previous chapter is a striking uh, expression. What does it mean? So it can be read two ways. One way is, all of Israel desires you. You are desired by all of Israel. After all, Israel had requested a king. You are the one they desire. But Chemdat Yisrael sounds like it could mean something else. All the precious things of Israel are yours. In other words, don't worry about the missing animals. There's a windfall in store for you as king. And that speaks to something else, which is that in Shmuel's thinking, as expressed in chapter 8, the king, in a word, will take. He'll take your fields, he'll take your sons, he'll take your daughters, he's the taker. What are you worried about a few missing animals? You'll be able to take whatever you want as king. That's a reflection of Shmuel's negative attitude towards king. This is very important because the question is, Shmuel has a role to play, an assignment by God, anoint the future king. But the question is, does he carry out the assignment or not? Technically, of course he carries it out. But how does he carry it out? And how he carries it out may have great relevance to what happens to Saul as king. What happens is a failed kingship. And the question that is raised already by the text, does Samuel have a role in the failure of Saul's kingship? I believe the answer is a resounding yes. And we will see this as we proceed. In any event, that's chapter 9. Shoals invited to this sacrificial meal. They eat together. Your place has already been reserved. And now we come to chapter 10. At the end of chapter 9, they get up early in the morning. And Shmuel speaks to Shoal on the roof. And he says, I'm going to send you away now. And they're walking through the city. And Shmuel sends away the young boy that's with Shaul. And in chapter 10, beginning in chapter 10, Vayikach Shmuel at Pach Hashemen, Vayitzok Arosho, Vayishakeu, he takes the flask of oil, he pours it on his head and he kisses him and he says, Haloki Mishachacha Hashem Nagid. God has appointed you over God's people as a Nagid. A Nagid is a leader, didn't use the word Melech, but clearly the people had asked for a king. So Nagid is another way of saying you will be their, their leader, their king, without using the word king. And then, we the reader figure, okay, that's it. He's met him, he told him, send him on his way. But no, Shmuel continues to speak. When you leave me. And what he sets out in the following verses is what's going to happen when you leave me. And he gives him signs. The first sign is two people will find you, or you will find two people in Kfurat by the grave of Rachel, in the area of Benjamin in Tzeltzach. They will inform you that the missing animals have been found, and they will say that your father is worrying about you. He stopped worrying about the animals. That was Saul's concern earlier. That's the first sign. And then you continue to walk in verse number three. And in Elon Tavar, you keep walking, three people will find you. They're headed to Beit El. 
and they're carrying, they're making a pilgrimage, they're carrying three kids, three goats, three loaves of bread, and a jar of wine, they'll offer you two loaves of bread. That's the second sign. You will accept it from them. And the third sign, Achaikein, in verse number five, you will go to the mountain or the hill of God where there's a garrison of Philistines and you will meet there a band of prophets. You'll meet a band of prophets and they have musical instruments. They are prophesying. What prophesying means is a very good question. Leave this for now. And you will prophesy with them. In verse number 6, you will become a different person. Then Samuel continues, After these signs take place, do what you think you should do. And then in verse 8, Go down to Gilgal. I will go to meet you there to bring sacrifices. Wait for me for seven days. I will tell you what to do. We'll come back to these next two verses later. The last two verses. But these are signs. So the question is, why do we need signs altogether? God never instructed Samuel to give Shaul any signs at all. What is the purpose of the signs? Now what's interesting is that in the Torah, when the Torah speaks about otot, about signs, when the Torah does speak about them, both in the narrative story of Moshe, in the beginning of the book of Exodus, or in the sections in the book of Deuteronomy, in Sefer Dvarim, which talk about prophecy, that's where the Torah speaks about otot. That's where the Torah raises the question whether the validity of the prophet can be based upon otot or not. Those are the sections in the book of Deuteronomy, and Moshe himself was concerned. They're not going to believe me. God gives Moshe otot. So the otot are a way to validate the prophet, not a way to validate the king. So one has to wonder over here, first of all, who is Shmuel validating? Is Shmuel validating Shaul, or is Shmuel validating himself? And the second point that's very interesting is, why are these signs necessary altogether? In particular, the third sign, which seems to be the main one, because later in the chapter, that's the only one that it actually mentions. It says all these things come true. But the focus is on sign number three, not just meeting the band of prophets, but prophesying with them. Why is it necessary for Saul to prophesy with the prophets? You become a different person. Saul himself seems to be the last candidate in the world to be a prophet. The little boy he takes with him seems to know a lot more about prophecy than he does. And in fact, in this chapter over here, after Saul does meet the band of prophets, all the signs come true. And after he does meet them, we are told in verse number 11 of chapter number 10, our chapter, People see that Saul is prophesying together with prophets. What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also a prophet? 
Now over here in this chapter, Vayal Ish Misham Vayomer, someone answered and said, Who was their father? That is to say, who's the father of all the prophets? The son of a prophet is not necessarily a prophet, and the father of a prophet is not a prophet. So maybe he is a prophet. The fact that Kish, his father, is not a prophet doesn't mean he can't be a prophet. So here, at least there's a rejoinder. Later on, as we will see in chapter 19, there's a similar story, and there there's no rejoinder. So the text is already raising the question, what sense does this make? Not can Saul be a prophet so much, more, why should he be a prophet? Why is it necessary for the king of Israel to be a prophet? This is the question, I think, that the text wants us to raise as we continue with that story about the partnership between Samuel and Saul. A partnership, then in the book of Samuel, will not work.